0: Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome back or welcome to Wednesday Wisdom. I'm your host, Jimmy Warden. Today's topic of conversation is about passion, specifically having passion with a purpose. And today I get the pleasure of speaking with Josh Bradenisi. Just a little bit of background on who Josh is. He is currently a professional basketball player over in Ireland's Division I for the Drogheda Wolves, Which he actually recently signed a contract to uh, earlier this month, as far as I know. Um, We'll get more on that when we converse with Josh. Uh, So he is a graduate of Thomas Jefferson University, formerly known as Philadelphia University. He graduated in 2020. Uh, Just a couple bits of his resume during his basketball career there. He totaled 1,455 points, which places him at 28th all time. In terms of their school records for points scored, he also is tied for fifth all-time in career three-pointers made, which he made 242 during his time there. He also was able to snag 640 rebounds during his career, and he earned all-conference accolades once, not to mention also earning all-conference all-tournament team twice, uh, the CACC conference. And he was also a member of the Rams 2017-2018 CACC Conference Championship team. Uh, Not to mention, he was also a three-time all-academic CACC uh, nod as well. So he made that all-academic team for the CACC three times. Uh, Quite the resume there for Josh. And I really do believe it stems a lot from his passion just to be a better person not just on the court, but also off the court. He has really shown me that he really has the drive, he really has the motor to accomplish whatever it is that he puts his mind to. As you can see just from now, the fact that he is a professional basketball player playing at some of the highest levels uh, over there in Ireland. So I'm really looking forward to our conversation today uh, just so we can talk a little bit more about passion and how we as people could apply it to our day-in and day-out lives. Uh, But before we get into that, a quick word from our sponsors. All right. Welcome, everybody. I really appreciate you all that are listening today. Uh, And again, just thanks to uh, Josh for coming on the podcast today. What's going on, Josh? How you been?
1: I'm good, Jimmy. Uh, It's a good day today. It's about uh, 545 over here in Ireland time, so getting uh, towards the end of the night, wrapping it up. I'm looking forward to doing this podcast with you, man.
0: Nice, man. Yeah, really great. Uh, And it's really awesome that you're over in Ireland. I was telling our listeners uh, a little bit about your journey. And I know we'll talk a little bit more about that as we as we continue on. But uh, maybe just so people also get a little bit more of a background. uh, Maybe we can talk a little bit about how we first met. Um, You know, I, I remember specifically, you know, being being friends with your older brother, Patrick. Uh, Patrick and I, we go back about, oh my, about seven, seven, eight years now, maybe now that I think about it. Um, You know, we used to hoop together. We used to work together. Um, And then I can't remember exactly when you and I kind of crossed paths. How about you? Do you you remember like any specific instances of like when we first kind of crossed paths?
1: Yeah, I think the first time we met was at my house one night. I think you, Patrick, and a couple of maybe your other North Andover friends had come over the house, and you guys were all just chilling, hanging out. And I was was upstairs in my room doing something and came downstairs, and you guys were all just chilling in the living room watching TV or something. So that's one of the first instances I recall. And then from there, I started seeing a lot more often i know you and patrick were probably like one of the closer two friends out of that group so i think you guys were together a lot i think it was a summer that summer that you guys were together a whole lot so
0: yeah actually yeah now that now that you mentioned that i actually do think i recall a couple of those instances as well and then uh we actually it was funny we actually a place where i feel like we really started to kind of hit it off was um the uh men's league um or summer league at least I, I think it was also a men's league and it was so funny because it was literally like everybody in your family was like you all your brothers like Patrick included a couple of your cousins and then there was me like talk can you talk about that <laughs> like That kind of like came to be I know it was your brother Eric kind of put it all together but
1: yeah man so we put we put together a family team uh every summer in that In that league and I've been playing in it since I was probably 15 or 16 years old. So it's always we always have our set group of six guys. So it's always me, my younger brother, Tyler, my older brothers, Patrick and Eric, my cousin, Anthony, and then my cousin, Andrew. And those six are always set on the team. And then every year or so we'll have a guy drop out and a guy pick up. So if if somebody doesn't want to play or somebody just decides they don't want to play, we are always looking for new guys. So I think I'm, um, were you, how long did you play in that league with us for you were there for like what, one or two years, maybe three. I
0: Yeah. I want to say at least two, um, me, may, maybe three, but I don't want, I don't know. I know it was definitely two though, for sure. I know it was definitely two for sure.
1: Yeah. So we, uh, we look, to go, we look to get about seven or eight guys every summer just because it's, it's a team fee that they do. And so the more guys you get, the, uh, the smaller the fee is that you have to pay individually. Uh, and seven or eight a good number just because, you know, you hate being on a team that's got like ten guys in a men's league because you don't want to sub in like all the time. Like you're only, you only end up – you want to play a lot of the game, basically. And with ten guys, you – you got to get everybody in. It's a men's league, man. Like, no, you're not going to keep your starter in for 40 minutes or anything like that. So, so seven or eight was like the perfect number.
0: Yeah, man. Especially when everyone's paying those league dues, nobody wants to be picking splinters out of their butt. So, but, you know, thank you guys. I mean, it was, honestly, it was definitely a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I totally had a, had a ball with it. Uh, it was always really enjoyable to play with you uh, and your brothers, but You know, one thing that really kind of like stood out to me, um, just from like your whole like family point, like of you and in the sense of like, one thing I recognize about like you and all your brothers, like you guys are like super passionate about, about sports Um, and especially basketball. You guys were all basketball players growing up. I mean, and obviously you now continuing on professionally over in Ireland, how did that passion for basketball begin uh with your family
1: yeah man so I think my path so like we'll go all the way back to when I was a toddler man like I was I was real little I think I wasn't even taking footsteps yet when I talked to my mom or uh when I talked to my mom about like those days one of the first things she told me was you know um The first time you ever took footsteps was completely off guard like nobody was trying to get you to walk you saw your older brothers running around in the living room and you just jumped up off your knees and just started trying to chase them around so i think my older brothers play a huge role in what i consider to be like my biggest passion which is basketball um and i think it just goes all the way back from those days like me trying to be like them so I think Eric paved the way because Eric's the oldest Um, Eric paved the way he was a ball player he played basketball uh, and he ran some cross country in high school Um, but uh, he was always super passionate about sports Um, in high school he actually rapped a little bit too so the one thing I could say about Eric is that he's probably one of the most passionate guys I've ever met And so to see him that way, it was a really good example for me. Um, And then also my brother, Nick, you know, he has some different interests than us, but he's also a super passionate guy. Like he's more into video games and and computers and technology, but um, growing up, he went to the technical high school or the vocational high school in my hometown. And he studied internet there. So, you know, he always, he always had a passion for, Things like that and he went down that path so he was also a great example you know to like follow what you love like do what you love um which is really what I think comes down to the heart of what passion is is just doing what you love with uh, like all the emotion that you can and just you, sometimes you can't even really explain it in words uh like how you can't really explain it in words and how like it's a hard thing to explain is what I'm guess what I'm trying to say. Cause passion is just something that you feel like inside you deep down. And it's like, you just go for it. And you don't know why. Sometimes you just, it's just something that you love to do. And so for me, Patrick and Tyler, you know, basketball was our, that was our main thing. So all of us are super, super passionate about basketball. Yeah.
0: And so I, I heard you talking a little bit about, you know, I, and, and I would say it it really is hard to, Define a word like passion because it can be interpreted in so many different ways. Um, but one thing I caught was you were talking about in terms of the emotions, right, that you feel towards uh, something, whether it might be an activity, whether it might be a hobby or a career pursuit, uh, whatever it might be. Would you say? Would you say that passion, and, and if you were to like define passion, that it would be putting all of that emotion, whether, and, you know, even now that I'm thinking about it, whether it be positive emotion of, you know, optimism, or even some, you know, negative emotion, such as anger, you know, whatever it might be. If you had to define passion, would you define it as channeling your emotions in order to pursue something you love? Is that kind of what I was hearing there?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. And I think the thing about it is I think when you're chasing a passion or you're doing something that you're passionate about, you're putting all your positive emotions into that thing. So whether it be, like you said, a a career choice or a, a sport or, you know, just a hobby, whatever it is that your passion is, you're putting all your positive emotion into it. But what happens is sometimes you hit a roadblock or something. So, like, if you're a teacher, say, like, you're a teacher, right, and something happens where you end up losing your job, like, say, COVID makes you lose your job, you know, that's a roadblock, and you're going to feel a lot of negative emotion because you've invested yourself so much into that career path or that job. So, in terms of basketball, you know, what I think about a lot and what happened in my career multiple times is I had some pretty serious ankle injuries. And so, I would put all my positive emotion, you know, I'm putting all this time and work into my my basketball abilities – And, you know, I tweak an ankle and then I'm out for two to three weeks, which is like a major, major setback um, when you're playing at a high level because, you know, guys are constantly going and they're playing and they're putting all their work in with no breaks. So it's like those are two to three weeks that you just lost and were unable to run or anything like that that you have to now make up for. So there's a lot of negative emotion when it comes to those kind of roadblocks that get hit. Yeah, so I think the way you put it, um, talking about trying to channel all the emotions into, into your craft of what you're doing, I think that's a great way to put it. Um, I just think that the one tweak that I would make is the difference between the positive energy coming in and then the results kind of resonating, whether or not you're going to feel negative about it or positive because of those roadblocks or whether or not you're able to come out victorious or whatever you're trying to do, that might give you a positive positive uh, aspect of it so maybe you don't get a roadblock right or maybe you every day goes well and just you're feeling good about it because you're doing what you love every day and it's just it's just all positive feelings towards it so yeah I think the way you put it was a really good way to put it
0: yeah and it's thank you I appreciate that it's interesting that you were talking about that you know in terms of trying to differentiate in in terms of positive and negative emotions because I feel like at least at times, you know, with me personally, um, and I don't know, maybe you can have, you have thoughts on this. I don't know. We can kind of check and see, but there are times where I feel like I'm putting all of my positive emotion, or even if I'm channeling some of like those negative emotions of like anger, frustration, and trying to channel it into a positive manner, you know, trying to get like those positive outcomes that you were talking about.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: somebody else will see the outcome, you know, let's say I, you know, we're at like, you, you use that teaching analogy. So I'll just say, talk about something in the classroom. Like, let's say I taught a really great lesson, right? And there was somebody watching it, whether it was one of um, like the math interventionists coming in to help support me, or maybe my principal had, an, had a time where they were observing me and, you know, they have nothing but good things to say about what I did, right? And yet I look at my performance and I can like kind of nitpick it and say, oh, no, it wasn't good because of reasons X, Y, and Z. So it's almost like I'm kind of like self-sabotaging myself in that sense of like, uh, and obviously like I'm really passionate about teaching and trying to make a difference, hence why I'm in that career field. Um, But do you ever find yourself in any of those scenarios where like, I know, and again, I kind of like went through some of your accolades with basketball so maybe if you could pull from some of those examples or if you had one of those examples of was there ever like a game where you felt like where other people were like oh wow Josh like you played phenomenally tonight and then you yourself didn't feel that way or if there are any other like examples maybe in your life maybe outside of basketball
1: yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the major – I'll kind of start with just a little story here. So when I was getting recruited out of high school for college basketball, a major, major problem that, you know, guys like Rick, uh, my high school head coach, um, even though my dad would get on me about it, was my body language. And so every game, man, like it was like if I, if I wasn't shooting well – in my head, I had a bad game. Like I wanted to make every shot. I wanted to score 20 points. Like, you know, like the rest of it was just kind of like whatever to me, like the defense was like, you know, and that's the way I felt in high school. I was just like, I want to score. I want to put up numbers. I want to go places with basketball. Like that was my thought process. And so Rick was always on me. Like, look, man, like the thing is, when you're playing great, you're playing great when you're playing bad it's because you take a shot you miss a shot and your head goes down like so when I think about what you were just saying um you know the the major issue for me was my body language so in high school I never saw it uh it took me almost two years into college before I finally realized and like kind of said to myself like hey because here here's what happened so I in high school, I always played. It didn't matter what I did. I was the man. I got the ball. I did the thing. My coach let me do whatever I want. When I got to college, uh, it was a big, big change for me because I started off playing a little bit of time um, and I didn't play well in that time that I got, or at least not well enough to, to earn my spot. So I lost my spot and I stopped playing and I'm sitting there in my, my head. I'm thinking, you know, what did I do wrong? Like, what am I doing wrong that I'm not playing? Why am I not playing? Like, and it just it like was killing me, so you know like I'm trying to I'm talking to my coaches, they give me feedback, and you know little they know he's saying the same thing that Rick was telling me about how uh, um, my body language is like my head goes down, my defense. So like I'll start off playing good defense, like I'll, I'll be fine, like playing great. I miss a shot, my head goes down. The next possession, my guy's blowing by me for a layup. Um, I wish I had figured it out sooner uh, um, and it's definitely like a live and learn type of deal so the thing was when my head would go down my whole game just went downhill like everything just because I missed a shot or I missed two shots in a row it's like those were the the main things and now like after learning that my junior and senior year of college that's when I kind of figured it out you know, I had some really great teammates that helped me pick my head up and not let me do stuff stuff like that because they know that they needed me on the floor in my in my best shape. So those those were definitely like the moments that resonate with me the most about what you were just talking about. Yeah,
0: it's interesting that you, you know, thanks for sharing that story and it and it kind of made me think of actually something that I wrote um my most recent blog post I actually talked a little bit about it in my latest podcast too um it's almost like we're digging a mental grave right where we have that negative self-talk we have negative body language which I know I'm a terrible culprit of and there's a phrase that says body language doesn't talk body language screams and I don't know if I like heard that somewhere or if I um saw a body language quote and then kind of took that piece and went forward with it and talking about how like like you said if somebody's like got their shoulders drooped and their head down you know they're in a negative emotional state right and you can only imagine the conversation that they're having with their self it's and it's obviously not going to be a good one hence why they look the way they do. So when you found yourself in like some of those positions, right. And, and you mentioned, you know, you had some really great support groups. Um, You know, one, one being uh, Rick Gorman, who is the BST trainer, um, the head of BST, who we both are really close with. Um, He's obviously a great person to talk to about that. Uh, You mentioned your, your head coach uh, from college. uh, And you also talked about your teammates, right? So I'm sure there were still times, though, even though you had all those support groups that you still kind of felt like you were almost in one of those mental graves, like what would you do, what would you do to try to dig yourself out of that mental grave, even despite like, let's say all these people trying to lift you and pick you up or like throw you down a rope and pull you out like using some of those analogies Right even despite that, that doesn't always work for everybody. And I know, I'm, again, I know I'm speaking from my own personal experience, right? I'm, not, I'm a really terrible acceptor of compliments. Um, and that's something that I've been trying to work on myself. Um, but do you ever feel like when, even despite you have all these support people and people telling you all these positive things, do you still feel like there are times where you're still kind of in that mental grave? And if so, how do you get yourself out of that?
1: Yeah, give me one second. Let me just figure out where. All right, so when digging yourself out of a mental grave, the first step for me and what didn't work for me in high school is because I never learned how to do, was understanding and realizing that you are in the mental grave. So because you're never going to want to dig yourself out of it until you realize that you're in one and like the harm that it's causing you. So, and for my specific opinion, like, or what happened to me when I'm on a floor, for example, when I'm on the floor, for an example, and I'm playing, if I missed that shot, you know, I need to realize that like in my head, I need to realize that, Oh man, like I just missed the shot. Um, like, don't put your head down. Like, don't put your head down. Like get back, get a stop on defense, make up for it somehow. So it's like, first things first is you have to realize it before you can try and fix anything. And so sometimes like when I was in high school, you know, I was young and I was like immature. So it was, it was, to me, it was like what these guys were telling me. It's not that I wasn't listening to them. It was just like, I had that mindset where like, I wanted to be that guy. Like I wanted to be the leader of the team and I wanted to lead in like every category. When I got to college and that, and that changed for me where I wasn't that guy and I needed to be the, the role player that the team needed me to be, I was able to make that switch where I was like, okay, well, the team doesn't just need me for my shooting ability, right? The team needs me because, you know, I take charges. The team needs me because I'm the best post defender on the team. The team needs me because I rebound the ball and I get the ball out to the guard fast. And then I'm a screen setter. Like there's, there's all these different things that I'm out there on the floor to do. And so when I shoot the ball and I miss two or three in a row and my head goes down, it's like, okay, well now you're forgetting to set screens because you're in a mental lockdown. Now you're forgetting what the plays are because you're not, you're not, your head's not in it. Like one of the, one of the quotes that my college coach, like uh, from a practice, he told me, so it was a practice. Or it was an early morning practice and I was tired and uh, I was not having a good practice and my head was not there. I think one of the things that's that from college, like one of the quotes that my head coach had said to me was, you know, like Josh, like you, where's your brain? Like, you, you need a brain transplant. Like what is going on with you? Like, <laughs> like do I have to bring you to a hospital right now? Like, like he was so like, and, and oh man, was I mad in that moment? Like I was like so angry, but you know, basketball culture, you're not going to freak out at your head coach in that moment. You know, you just listen to him and you're like, okay, Okay, like I get what he's saying, like I'm not like I'm not here in this practice right now. So I need to figure out. So even something like that, where like even if a coach just saying something, like that can help you realize it if you let it. So you need to like understand what he's saying and not just block out what he's saying. You need to listen to him. So if you can't do it yourself, that's when the support should be there. I think it's it's up to you yourself to figure it out. But it's little things like that. When people are talking to you, just listening can help you figure out that you're in that mental grave, which ultimately is the first step that you absolutely have to do before you can dig yourself out of it.
0: Nice. And um, one thing I was just thinking about too, how how much of a role does passion play in helping you get yourself out of that or like just anybody in general? I know we kind of talked a little bit about how, you know, there are those people around you, you know, I feel like it sound from the sounds of it, it sounds like your teammates, your coaches that you've had, there's a level of passion um, in those relationships. Um, so, you know, does the passion from those relationships and what other roles might passion play in terms of allowing people to get out, whether it's a mental grave or kind of like you were talking about earlier in our conversation, like some of the adversities that you face with your ankle injuries, um, So how much of a role could passion play and how, like, how does passion play a role in overcoming any challenges that a person might be facing?
1: Yeah. um, So passion is definitely, it's a huge role in a situation like that. So for example, let's talk about the ankle injuries, right? When I think of passion, I think passion goes hand in hand with will and like the will to continuously go on and push yourself forward in order to reach the goals that you have set for yourself. So that will is kind of, it's, I think that's like the driving factor here. It's like you, passion is the driving factor. The will to do something is whether you do it well or do it good enough. So when you get those minor setbacks or major setbacks, whatever, say you get injured and I hurt my ankle injury. Um, you know, my passion for the game of basketball is not going to let me quit, like, because I feel so strongly about playing basketball. And, you know, it's honestly my favorite thing to do on this earth. Um, so I would never let myself stop playing basketball over any kind of injury. Um, you know, praying that I stay healthy enough to be able to play, but um, something like an ankle injury or uh, putting my head down like something like those things like that passion is what keeps me going and it's what keeps me like playing the game that I love to do and continuously go so um, that's that's definitely the role when passion comes into play and the will the will to to keep going as well definitely comes into role there too to to, to keep you on the path of where you're going
0: yeah and I, I heard you mention the will or like willpower and I actually, I was um, listening to a podcast a little while ago from, um, he's kind of like a holistic life coach. Uh, His name's Paul Check, but he talks about this idea and I, I don't know if he originated it or if like he got it from somewhere else, but it's called like the willingness meter. And it made me think about your idea there, right? The will is either like whether you do it or whether you don't. And that's kind of like where the willingness meter also can kind of come into play, right? And we can think of it on like a one to ten scale, one being the lowest, ten being the highest. And if your willingness to accomplish whatever it is that you want to accomplish in life, whatever that might be, if your willingness is like a seven or above, right, you're more like more than likely going to be doing that. And you're and you're going to be continuing to move forward and If you kind of find yourself, I feel like anywhere between like four to six, that's where that that mental conversation comes into place of like, oh, why am I doing this again? Or or what's the purpose of what I'm doing? And Mm -hmm. is this really worth my time? That's where some of those conversations kind of come into play. And then if it's three or below it, it just isn't happening. And so going back to like the passion idea, right? If you're super passionate about something, your will should that willingness meter should consistently stay relatively high if it's if it's a true passion right because at that point in time it's it's not even necessarily like you need to have those conversations it's more along the lines of this is what i'm going to do this is how i'm going to do it by any means you know whatever whatever gets put in front of me whether it's some type of physical injury some type of emotional interference whether it's internal dialogue that you're having or somebody else's perception of who they think you are and kind of what you're offering you know despite all these adversities that people face I really think it's important for us to kind of check that willingness meter and and really think about if you're consistently finding yourself like below like in that four to six range or like three or below like It might also be time to kind of check that passion too, like if that makes sense, because in my eyes, if it's, if the willingness meter is constantly below a seven, I don't really know if someone can really consider what they're pursuing, a passion of theirs. That's kind of that's kind of like some things that I was just kind of thinking about there after you mentioned that idea of will and um, passion. And so. We can, we're going to kind of step away a little bit um, from basketball, like in terms of just, and, and it's okay if we kind of use those examples too, because I know that's a great talking point for both of us being me being a former basketball player and you being a current basketball player. But uh, I was curious about how you feel that passion has just molded you as just a person. And obviously like basketball does play a massive role in your life now that you're playing professionally. And I know it played a massive role in your life growing up and it helped you earn a division two scholarship to a fantastic school. Um, you know, but I was curious about like maybe some other aspects of your persona and just like your being, you know, how would you feel that passion has helped mold you to become the Josh Brad and EC that you
1: are today? So passion to me, it, It's molded me in a lot of ways. And I think that it's, you know, it's easy to compare it to basketball, right? Like you said, just because that's something that I know I'm extremely passionate about, but it's also helped me being passionate about basketball has helped me figure out where I'm passionate in other areas of my life, because I know how strongly I feel about it, that if I want to do something, I know I should feel as strongly about it as I do about basketball. So for example, like relationships, like if I find a girl that, I mean, let's not really use basketball here for that comparison, but let's, let's say I want to feel strongly about, you know, a significant other or like a girl that, that I know, like I, I have that like emotional feeling towards in order to pursue that or to pursue her. So like currently I have a girlfriend and, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard, especially being now like I'm in Ireland and she's still in the United States. So it's like that for me to come over to Ireland and, you know, when to want to stay with her and to feel like I want, like, I really want to be with her and stay with her. You know, that is passion right there in itself. Like knowing that I have that feeling that I don't want to, to break up with her just cause I'm moving to another country, you know, so that's just relationships is one area. Um, I recently came across this, like, uh, so I started coaching kids over here because they have me doing a little part-time work to make a little extra money over here. So they started, they gave me a, a 14 and under team over here. And, you know, I have learned that, you know, like, I really enjoy being around kids. Uh, I enjoy letting them hear what I have to say, like letting them learn from me. So in a way, man, like I am really, really passionate about teaching in the same way that you are. Um, You know, I think maybe something that had to do with it was the fact that I was teaching them basketball. Um, But also I had so I was an accounting major at Jefferson, which is the school that I went to uh, in the United States. I was an accounting major. And one of the main things that some of our younger players with. So when I was a junior or senior. A lot of our freshman students would really struggle with their accounting classes. And I really enjoyed helping them. Like they would always come to me because they knew I was one of the only accounting majors on the team. They always came to me for help with their questions. So helping them learn accounting was something that I actually really enjoyed doing. And even though in the moment, like at that time, I was just doing something as a favor for, you know, some of my teammates, but it's, it's honestly something that helping people reach because what like ultimately like it's something small, but their goals were to get an A in the class or to get a B or pass the class, whatever it was that they were shooting to do. Helping someone reach their goals and what they try are trying to do. You know, I like being a person that helps them do that. So that's something that I've also recently come across that I'm really passionate for because I have those passionate feelings and those emotions just like pour out of me when I'm doing those things that I just really enjoy doing. So those are just a few things that, you know, that passion really comes out into play when I'm doing them.
0: That's, that's really great to hear. And I actually just learned a little something about a couple of things about you, man. And uh, you know, that's I think that's fantastic. I would totally agree in the sense that, it's amazing to to be a part of somebody else's journey right because now it's bigger than yourself Like, not just it's not just about you anymore it's about like those kids that you coach or you know it's about continuing that strong relationship that you have with your girlfriend and I can really resonate with that too um, I was down in Massachusetts for you know about a year and my girlfriend was up here where I'm at now we're both living together now in, my, in uh, Vermont but like you said, it, it would be easy, right? It'd be easy just to say, um, you know, the distance thing's not going to work. And I just don't see it working out, essentially. But that that passion and, and that love that you have for somebody else, again, it's it's greater than yourself. And I think it sounds like that you've been using that to then therefore help others, which, you know, whether it was, again, those kids that you're coaching, or the, uh, the you know, the players that your teammates that, asked you for some of that help with that accounting work and it's really fulfilling too right and in and not in like a and not in like an ego way necessarily I think it's more of like a not like a oh like look at me like i'm you know I'm higher on this hierarchy than you or or like I'm higher on the food chain than you are it's more along it's more fulfilling. Because it's soulful, like it's spiritual and it's, it's like a transcendent experience, right? Like you were talking about, you know, you mentioned like you pour your emotions, you pour yourself into, into somebody else and you can literally feel that. You can literally feel that visceral connection. And it's, it just makes me think, you know, if we, and not just like you and I, but like we as a society, you know, could try to just do more of that right? I just feel like a lot more, a lot more great things would come of it, you know, because before, you know, and I think the 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 thing that we need to really think about too, the idea we need to think about is that in order to like serve others, you know, kind of like you have been doing and how I've been doing, you know, you need to be fit for service, you know, in, in many aspects of your life. And if you're not ready to do that, you know, if if a person feels that they can't go down and volunteer at a local soup kitchen for like an hour, right? Because they feel like they have better things to do. I part of me and again, maybe it's just my objective bias because or subjective bias just because I do a lot of personal growth work and I know you're you're really big into just like becoming a better person each and every day, but if somebody has the unwillingness, again, we'll go back to that willingness meter idea. Like if somebody just is not willing to do something like that, I mean, they, I feel like there's a lot more spiritual and just personal growth that needs to come of that just because of the, again, the fact that they're not willing to do it um, because they feel like it's, it's almost like a waste of time, which is, you know, far from the truth as we at least understand and it's something that I, I really, truly believe that everybody should at least try to experience, right? Not even necessarily like I'm not, you know, I was just using that as like an analogy, but like go help somebody, right? Do something for somebody that, that needs some help, whatever that might be. And there are so many different examples that, you know, we could think of, but I just think it would just help for society really to just become better uh, overall, really.
1: Yeah, definitely. I agree 100%. Um, Another thing you can throw in there, if you want to just kind of mix it up a little bit, Uh, I think a lot, I think almost everybody at first wants to help people. I think they generally do. Um, But the problem is, a lot of the problem, I or like self around, like it makes them revolve more around themselves and it's it's not necessarily like their fault it's like something was done to them that you know changed the way that their outlook is and so i when i think about this and i'm thinking back to like the way relationships are like say somebody you know um like cheats on somebody or something goes on where uh, a person is done wrong in a relationship that person that was done wrong now has an outlook that they can't trust people or they can't trust somebody else and it's like oh like if I can't trust somebody else why should I be putting my time into helping other people or helping somebody else when you know all I need to really worry about is myself and I think that's something that you know that's something that happens a lot now in this world I think people are done wrong very constantly you know whether it could be really done wrong by anybody you know they're there are a lot of issues going on in the world right now that, that uh, people are being done wrong by and it, and it changes their personality. But generally what I want to believe is that people who can face the adversity, you know, realize that not everybody is like that. Like not everybody's going to do me wrong. Like there are a lot of good people in this world. Uh, if you can face that adversity get through it, it just makes you so much better of a person. And it makes you learn so much through like the experiences that you go through. And yeah, man, that's, that's just something I wanted to throw in, because I think adversity plays a big role in the type of person you are as as a human being.
0: Uh, Absolutely, man, it was so I'm really glad that you brought that point up, because to put like a, a term on it, right, like people become cynical, Right. I, and, and I know I've like found myself at times, like feeling pretty cynical. Um, You know, you actually brought up that analogy of, or that example of like, Oh, like someone gets cheated on or like done wrong. And like, yeah, man, like, the, and I'll openly admit like that, like that's happened to me. And I feel like, and I don't know, I can't exactly remember. I mean, I know I've definitely talked to your brother, Pat about it. Um, Cause him and I have been really good friends for a while, and. I can't remember exactly if like you and I ever really had a conversation about it, but anyways, get back to that point of like cynicism. Right. I had like a really hard time trusting girls for a while. Um, After that. Right. I, I, I was like, Oh man, like this, you know, I've, I've had a couple of relationships or I tried to, and like they didn't work out and a couple, couple women like really did not treat me well at all. Um, And so it made me think like, no, nah, like it's not worth my time. Right. It, it's not. Cause it's like you said, like you so like that specific thing had happened to me. And now I thought like, well, why should I invest my time? If like, that's, what's going to be returned. And I think that's another thing too. It just made me think about like, people expect something in return. Right. You know, in the sense of like, oh, like I'm going to give, right. I'm going to give something, whether it's, whether it's your time, whether it's money, whether it's effort in a relationship, whether it's effort in your profession, People want something in return, you know, and I feel like, I feel like if we can just give to give for giving sake, because we're passionate about it and because it's the right thing to do, eventually we'll, have, we'll get what it is that we want. And, and that's the whole idea that we kind of, as a society have all twisted up now too. Everybody's all about instant gratification and when we're giving, right, we want that we want that reception of what we feel is equal or of greater amount, like immediately, and we're not willing to have the patience to allow something else to be returned in favor. And I do really just think that it's it's something that I people should really try to think about a little bit more, um, because like you were saying, if if you're willing to just give and from a passionate place and just be true about it um you'll totally become a better person in it and it eventually you know will work itself out so that the stars start to align a little bit more just to kind of use one of those analogies
1: so definitely
0: so i just have a i have a and this has been a great conversation by the way um i just have a couple more questions i was hoping we could chat about here um something. Cause I feel like you're, you know, you and I, and I feel like I know you well enough that you're a pretty authentic person. Right. Um, and I just feel yeah. like your, your passion, it comes from an authentic place no matter what. And, and I think if we, you know, people can listen to other bits and parts of this conversation, I feel like they would agree with me based on that. Um, You know, has anyone ever challenged the authenticity of your passion? Um, Or do you feel like most people recognize it as genuine?
1: That's a good question. Um, I honestly cannot think of a time at the top of my head that someone questioned my passion. Let me see.
0: Like, I mean, if you... If And maybe to make it a little bit more clear, because there's like that phrase, like fake it till you make it, right? Um, has anybody, do you feel like anybody's ever been like, oh, or, and I don't know if anybody's ever like said that to you, because I mean, it's, or maybe have you ever felt that energy of maybe somebody's, you feel like somebody has that per- perception of you of like, oh, he's just out there you know, acting that way. Like he's not, he's not truly that passionate about whatever it is that he's doing. Do you feel like you've ever kind of felt that energy from
1: people or? Um, to be honest, no, but let me, let me elaborate a little bit. So um, when I think about being authentic, I think a lot of that would rip. So I ha- I've had a lot of success around basketball in my life. And you know it's easy for me. I'm I'm sorry if this like just keeps like resonating back to basketball, but like oh, it's totally. I'm not fine. Really... I, I told
0: I told everybody you're a pro basketball player, so we're gonna yeah. use basketball analogies for this episode. Don't worry about it, man.
1: Yeah, so so it's easy for me to just relate it back to basketball, but um, I also think that I'm not publicly or vocally passionate about too many other things, so. Basketball is the one thing that I think if somebody looks at or somebody who knows me and knows the type of person I am, basketball is probably one of the first things that comes to their mind. And, um, and, you know, for good reason, because I'm, like I said, I'm not, I kind of think I should be more vocally passionate about some other things, which, you know, then people could actually challenge or, or try to say that, you know, I'm not being authentic about, um, but I don't think anybody's really ever come to me towards basketball saying I'm not authentic because I think a lot of my hard work, uh, my passion, my will, um, and my abilities, you know, have shown for the success that I've had, you know, like getting that scholarship and being over here in Ireland now, you know, it's hard for somebody to look, point a finger at me and say, you know, like, you know, you're not really as passionate about basketball as you, as you say you are, because I, I put in the work, you know, I do the things that I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and, and so that's, that's the reason why I don't think anybody's challenged my authenticity. Um, but there's definitely, you know, that's something that I actually think I could really work on is being more vocal about my opinions, you know, whether it's politically or, or anything really just so that I could have like more conversations and learn more about it. And then maybe somebody could say like, Hey, you know, like you're not, you know, who you like, not saying you're not who you say, but you're not, you really you because you don't understand this and that and if you understand this and that then maybe you'll think about it a different way and so that's like i feel like challenging someone's authenticity it sounds like a bad thing but i don't think it always is a bad thing like say if, if it is about something political right you know um like a hot topic is like the black lives matter organization right so you know, I can come out and say, you know, like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a person for Black Lives Matter. Like I think it's a good organization and what they do, or not. But there's also people out there that think that, you know, the Black Lives Matter is like a Democratic hoax and stuff like that, and they're using it to try and put shame on the Republican Party and, and things like that. So, but it's conversations like that that people need to have in order to be, to try and figure out like where this where all this is coming from Uh, because I think right now, especially right now in politics, I mean, God, then look at our presidents. Like you can't, I mean, look at our presidential candidates, right. They're pointing fingers at each other, like yelling over each other in debates. It's like, it's like, this is stuff that like second grade stuff, man. Like you learn, I'm sure you probably teach your kids. Like, (laughs) like when he's speaking, when he's speaking, you don't speak, like you let him finish his conversation and then you talk. But these guys are so like, they're just so not like, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like, they're just so worried about challenging each other's authenticity that they're not even really focused on trying to find a solution. And like, what's the best like topic of the outcome, if you know what I mean? Like it's, so that's, that's what I think of when I think of challenging somebody's authenticity. It's, it's a lot, it can be a bad thing, but it can also be a really good thing as well
0: yeah it's interesting um you know that you brought up the recent debates i think a lot of people feel that way as well um that it's, it's it's literally a bunch of finger pointing and there's it's like they're challenging each other but it's like who's standing up to say who they are right i feel like you know i feel like they both do that at times um but it's, it's really hard to really see who's authentic because of how much finger pointing is going on and how much bashing of the other side that's happening. And and like you said, you can see it reflected out in the streets um, with a lot of the, the riots going on and the protests. I mean, and obviously, you know, the First Amendment, right? I mean, people have the freedom to assemble, right? So that's, mm-hmm. that's never gonna go away. Um, But it's almost like you said, it's like everybody's just challenging the other party or the other group, whatever that group might be, whether it's, you know, Black Lives Matter, you know, whether it's like the Proud Boys, like whatever it might be. You know, nobody's necessarily like because everyone almost like it's almost like people just think it's like some of these groups think that they're just right, you know, and that there's not there's not I mean, there are two sides to everything you know and and I just personally feel like there needs to be more perspective taken kind of like how you were saying I mean I, I will say I'm definitely also a supporter of Black Lives Matter it's more of because to me it's it's a humanity it's a humanity stance it's not it's not a political stance right it's it's let's let's have these equal rights like it's supposed to be stated and in the, in the constitution, in in the bill of rights. And it's, it's not right. It's not. And it's really, it's really difficult to, to watch that. And, you know, I had a conversation. I I know we talked a little bit about it off air with my old teammate uh, Darius and, you know, we talked a little bit about it, but he, he too, like, you know, he's, he's a black man living in, living in the South and he, but he too sees, like that we all need to kind of come together and we all need to kind of figure this out we need to stop just bashing our heads against each other and like both figuratively and literally right because you know some of those some of those riots and protests have gotten like extremely violent and it's it's really challenging to see and I think a lot of it is because I think now that I'm now that I'm starting to think about it, it's almost like, I feel like we're all looking for what's, what is the truth. Right. And what should, what should be the most truth. And it starts, you know, it starts internally, you know, and then, and then going back to the idea of like, get yourself in order first, like be fit to serve, then you can serve others, you know, and, and like you were saying too, you know, trying to speak up if you have something that you're passionate about. If you have ideas that you're really passionate about, but also being willing to listen um, to the other side too, because like you said, you could also learn something from it as well. Um, and I think that would really be helpful.
1: Yes. Let me, let me actually, let me throw this up there. See what you think about this. Cause I think we can actually relate this, you know, almost to everything that we've talked about. So I think people are so passionate about being red or blue, right, or being Democratic or Republican, or being for or against Black Lives Matter, whatever it is, you know, and I don't want to say like either side is wrong, right, or whatever, because I have my political views, I try to keep my political views to myself, because it's gotten so out of hand lately, right? But well, like maybe, I like I said, maybe I should be more out vocal, out vocal, like it's something that I'll try to work on. But anyways, back to the point. So everybody's so focused about being red or blue and they're, that's, they're passionate, right? Like they're, they're passionate about being red or they're passionate about being blue and, you know, they don't want to listen to the other side because they're both accusing each other of that, like fake authenticity. Of like, like you're not really, you're not really Republican because of this, or you're not really blue because of that. Like So they're sitting there and they're pointing fingers and they're yelling at each other and people are now protesting and, and, and all stuff like that. But it's like it's like passion is ultimately like the drive of all of that going on, whether you're whatever you believe in. If you believe in something you know, that generally comes from some sort of passion. You know, maybe it's maybe it's something to do with, with like your past. Maybe you grew up in a certain way that makes you lean more towards one side or the other. And that makes you passionate about that. So when somebody maybe grows up in a different way and they're passionate about something else that might conflict with what you're, the way you grew up or something like that, that's when those conversations really start to get out of hand and it's like that's when the fighting starts and the finger pointing starts and it's the question is like how do we stop finger pointing like how can we find this like this mediary in the middle like i've heard talks that like you know the two-party system doesn't allow for individual thinking um you know like like you're either agreeing to one side or the other and then you're agreeing with all their views or like it's, there's no, it's like what, like you're supposed to be a democracy where people can think for themselves, but here we are like having to choose a party and, you know, being a part of that party means that you agree with all their political views. So you don't really get to think about all the views on your, as an individual. So it's like, it's like I said, man, it all comes down to passion and what you believe. Um, people are born into a democratic family and then just grows or some people are born into a republican family and that just grows so it's like it's it's something that i think people need to kind of come to a realization about it's like you know you have your own views for a reason like you're your own individual person and that's what being a democracy is all about so Yeah, man, that's, it's all, it all stems down to passion and what you're passionate about.
0: Yeah. And and I would agree with you a lot there. Like the passion comes from that place of when you're like, when you get challenged, it's like, people don't realize that they're challenging ideas, right? It's like they're chat, like people, a lot of people, Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll admit it, right? I'll admit it. I've been a, I've been a victim of this too, where like somebody's challenged, like some of my views and- I feel like they're attacking my character. Right. And like who I am as a person, like how I grew up. Like I literally, and actually I'll, it was interesting, man. Like I actually had somebody um, on a Facebook thread and this is why I like kind of have it. I've, I've kind of gone off of Facebook in terms of like political stuff and I'm just trying to throw out the positive, you know, Wednesday wisdom and just like really positive psychology ideas to think about. But I had somebody who I literally have never met in my entire life. Don't even know where they like, where they live, where they're from. Um, mm-hmm. say that I was not taught manners as a child because I was questioning somebody else's post of when, uh, George Floyd got murdered. So like, and I'll, yeah, it's interesting, right? This person like knows nothing about me just because like someone, like someone posted something, um, on Facebook. And I just made a comment of like, cause I think they, they took the stance of, you know, basically like, like watch the video, like watch all the evidence, right. Kind of alluding to that he was resisting arrest. So then I just made a co- like one comment, right. Of, so do you think that warrants a person kneeling on somebody else's neck for eight minutes and 47 seconds? And dude, you should have seen the comment section. It blew up, like, astronomically. And I was was like, oh, man, like, and and I found myself, again, I just found myself getting sucked into it. And I'm like, literally getting chills now. Like, I literally have goosebumps now. Like, I'll even hold them up to the screen a little bit. But (laughs) because dude, like, and I'm emotionally, like, I'm a little bit emotionally charged still. And like, that tells me I'm still not over that situation. Because it's like, I think it goes back to like what you were saying, like you, you're either born into one party or the other, or you grow up a certain way. So you have certain views. And so that is part of your character, right? And so when people question that, they immediately shoo, like put that, put that defense shield up and are willing to fight until they die. Right. Like a lot of people, yeah. like, and I know I'm kind of going to the extreme, but like there would, there are probably a lot of people that would be willing to die to try to like prove their points and defend their stance of, of, especially now, like in this political climate. But the reason why is because they're so attached to these ideas. Right. And, and when you were asking, like, you know, how can we try to meet somewhere in the middle? I really feel like, we as a people and and I try to do this myself and I'm sure you probably try to as well like <clears throat> you know think about what you stand for think about what you believe in right and and really try to see how strong that is and and how much weight that really holds and how much that can really ground you right and and try not and try to separate yourself from from you know, the media and what you consume, like really try to do some deep diving of like, like either asking yourself questions, like, what do I, what do I really stand for? And literally like, just ask a question, right. And just like, see what comes to mind. Right. And, and obviously like a lot of that, you know, will be some of the other stuff that we've come to be a part of us, like throughout our time growing up and, you know, as we're raised as kids and, as we become adults, a lot of our views like don't always necessarily change, right? Because I think we fail to ask those questions. And, and I think the more that we try to ask some of those questions, you know, hopefully we can try to really see like, what, what do I personally stand for? And, you know, and if there are times where you're thinking about it and you're not really sure, I think that's where we need to try to start listening more in terms of, you know, what, what pieces am I missing? You know, what, what tools can I grab from Josh right through this conversation that I could try to use in my life so that I could be a better person or, you know, whoever it might be that you're having a conversation with. I think that's the biggest thing is like, we need to try to take that stance of learning, not just like from each other, but like from ourselves to like, have, have we really developed as people? Like, have we, you know, developed our thoughts, have, have we changed a little bit? And I'll say, you know, my older brother, he's actually, he, his, his way, his demeanor, and just like his way of thinking around, um, you know, some of these ideas that we've talked about has changed like substantially. Um, And I think it's great, you know, not, and not just because we agree on more things, but I, I think it's made him a, better person like per like his personality and his ability to develop empathy and like have empathy for other people that are different than him um i think it's huge and, and i think i too as 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 a result like have tried to start to develop that and cultivate that a little bit more too um so kind of going back to that original question that you had like through this little little road that we went down but I I think we just as people need to try to ask ourselves like more questions like about ourselves and what and what do we stand for and and why right
1: yeah totally and I think part of the problem with that is you know sometimes you don't even think about something yourself until you see something on like social media that puts something into your head to think a certain way already So that's almost like taking away from your ability to think on your own in a way. And, you know, that can be like, you you probably don't even realize, you know, it's probably just something that's like, Oh, like this is a problem. And this person who's putting this advertisement or a post about this thinks this way, you know, I don't think a lot of people will just see that and say like, well, what do I think about this post? Like they're probably just already like have some sort of bias towards the way this person feels because they're explaining it in a way that, the other side wouldn't even have had a chance to explain yet. Um, I also wanted to throw in another point about like, it, it sounds so simple, right? Like the listening aspect, like just to listen to somebody, it sounds so simple, but it's something that so many people don't do. Like, I do think, I think people listen. I just think people don't listen for the right reasons. I think people listen to respond I don't think people listen to understand what people are trying to say. People already have their minds made up. And when people are and if somebody's trying to talk to you, you know, a lot of people are already like, I have this in my head. Whatever you say, it doesn't matter. So to go into like your situation where you make that comment about George George Floyd's death, you know, and that person instead of listening to you and trying to understand what you're trying to say they instantly just come at your character because they have nothing else they they don't know what to say back to you either that or, or you know they're just not they're whatever it is that they're doing they're not listening to try to understand you it's right away it's to fire right back at you as a person because that's what comes to mind it's like well i the last thing i want to do is agree with you so boom like you have no manners like that's to me that's just like incredibly like it's like childish in a way, man, like, like we're all adults, you know, if you're 18 years or older and you can vote, like you have the, you are an adult and you should not be acting like a 12 year old or somebody who's just going to come at somebody's character instead of trying to like talk it out and find a solution. I feel like that's just like a problem. Like the biggest problem that we're having is like, we're not talking about it enough in order to find that solution. Every single problem has a root and you need to work your way to that root in order to figure out, you know, uh, uh, what's the word we use in negotiations. You find that, uh that like common ground, but there's like another word for it. I can't think of the word off the top of my head, but you want to find that common ground and it's just something that we're, we don't see enough nowadays, especially in politics.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting, man. I mean, and I don't know, like this, This will be the last I'll talk about it, but like, yeah, immediately, like when he started like firing back with stuff like that, I was like, yep, like I'm all set. And like this, and this dude was probably like at least twice my age. And like, like you said, it was just kind of, kind of childish, but, you know, I think it was a really, you know, you and I, we just kind of had a really great, you know, back and forth there in terms of, you know, what we can do when people challenge some of that authenticity within ourselves. Um, Yeah. So I just have one more question, uh, before we kind of just get into like the little final segment here, um, just for like all the listeners out there and, you know, or me and maybe even, you know, you could think of maybe even some of those kids that you coach. Right. So I was curious, right. If someone is having a hard time cultivating passion in their life, what advice would you give to them?
1: Ultimately, the the biggest thing I could recommend is so so for me, it was almost easy, right? Like I grew up in a basketball family, it just naturally was my passion. Like it just, it just came to me. If you don't, if you can't find your passion, you know, like you got to ask yourself, like, how hard am I looking? You know, am I really like trying a lot of new things? Because that's ultimately how you're going to be able to find your passion is, you know, you have to keep on trying things. And it, it, I don't want to say it's easy because just because it was easy for me doesn't mean it's easy for everybody else. So in order to find your passion, man, you got to just try one thing. If you get hit with some adversity in that one thing and you're like, I don't want to do this anymore, then go to the next thing. Like it not everything. Here, here's the ultimate thing. You're always going to be faced with adversity no matter what you do some things are going to be worth fighting through that adversity for. Some of them aren't. So if you're trying to do something and you feel like you got hit with something that you don't want to be hit with again, something that you can't recover from, try something else out. Like that would maybe fit like something that you would be more passionate about. Because at no point when I was faced with adversity in basketball, did I ever want to give up. And so that's, you know, that's the major, major thing one try new things you know open your mind up it can literally be anything you know anything from like theater to like to basketball to knitting like you can be passionate literally about anything so there's so many things in this world to do um a lot of times you know you see like technology kind of consumes us and it takes away a lot of our time like being on our phones and being on our laptops, you know, whether it be now we're doing schoolwork and stuff, use any free time you have to try something else out new and just keep on trying new things until you find it. That's the biggest piece of advice that I can give somebody who's, who's searching for a passion.
0: That's awesome, man. A lot of, lot of really great points you brought up there. And, and I'd say I agree with you hundred percent that the list of paths that you can go down in this world is, is really endless. It really is endless, and I think it's really just a matter of consciously thinking, you know, what might I want to try first, and then making your way down the list. and And eventually, I feel like everybody will at least be able to hit something, um, hopefully multiple things. Um, so I think that that's a a really great, great bit of advice as we start to close out here. Um, and speaking of which, um, you know, I always try to give the the guests that I have on, uh, the final words. So if there's any, any final words that you wanted to say to our listeners out there, anything that you just wanted to kind of wrap up with, now's your time, my friend.
1: Yeah, definitely, man. Well, first off, I'll thank you for inviting me on. You know, this was a great conversation. You know, every conversation that we've had, whether it be, you know, some post-practice BST stuff has just been like great, like, you know, life-changing conversations that are like, they just, res- they resonate with you for like, however long it might be, like you, you sit there and you think about some of the things that you say and it, you just keep on thinking about it. And it's like something that it like drives you to be a better person. And so those conversations, and I, I, I'm i always thankful for the conversations that we have. Um, I hope that whoever's listening um, will take some of these points that we've said today, you know, whether it be you know, how to, like you said, how to dig yourself out of a mental grave, you know, maybe you take some of my points, and you try and like work that way into your own life, or maybe you, um, you know, really any of the things that we talked about today. Uh, if you just use that some way in shape or form in your life, you know, if you want to reach out to me, personally, and you know, on my Instagram or anything like that, uh, you know, definitely do it, you know, because I like I said, I've got that passion where I like recently learned that I really enjoy helping people, So if you have like any issues or problems or something and you want some advice, you know, I will help and I will respond and I'll do it in the best way that I can, because it's something that I enjoy doing. So knowing that I can help you or if I did help you in this podcast in some way, shape or form, then, you know, then that's, that's something that I would really want to know.
0: Awesome, man. Thank you um, for those words. And thank you for, you know, your appreciation. I would, I would share in that same, uh, passion, right, for these conversations and, and just enjoyment, right, the, the level of joy that we have just having some of these really meaningful conversations that we can take on, you know, not just within this time, but as we move forward and and try to continue on to just kind of be better people. Um, and, you know, you did mention, you know, if you're willing, if, and I'm just going to throw this out there, would you be willing to, is it right if I throw your Instagram, tag in the in the show notes here just in case people wanted to give you a shout out if they enjoyed the podcast or if they just want to say a quick what's up
1: yeah man. definitely instagram twitter just not my phone number got <laughs> <it. I>
0: <laughs> all <laughs> right <There> you <laughs> heard that everybody you heard it here no phone number uh but social media is a good way to uh, get in contact with josh brad and uh josh thanks again i really feel like this is a fantastic conversation to have with you today on this fine fine day and uh Looking forward to putting it out there for everybody.
1: Definitely, man. Thanks again, Jim.
0: Yeah, no problem.